Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. I have another special guest with us this episode, um, Devin Gordon, who joined us way earlier in the season. He's the author of uh, So Many Ways to Lose, The Amazing True Story of the New York Mets, the best worst team in sports. And since this book was released in March, uh, th- there could probably be at least a chapter added on to it. Devin, thank you for joining us. And how's it going, my man? Pretty good. Pretty good. It has been a little prophetic uh, of a season. I've been having a lot of tweets and emails of people being like, oh, this 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 thing that happened, that's got to be a chapter in the book or that's got to be a sequel. And that's happened like what, like, like, I don't know, like 50 times this year alone. It's been it's been quite a year, hasn't it, Tim? It's been quite a year and it is only September 5th. I keep reminding people it's only September 5th. We got a month of this left. Oh, this organization, they, they fit a season's worth of drama into the first couple of months of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have to go one by one. They've had their, <laughs> yes. uh, their, their knees deep in it. And, and I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to, uh, you know, spill the Kool-Aid for your uh, your updated uh, release. But, uh, yeah, oh, this has been absolutely wild. But even on, you know, on the field, things have been uh, absolutely crazy. You know, you talk about you know, Mercurial and it's, uh, it doesn't even, begin to describe, it doesn't even be to dis- begin to describe this season. I mean, best worst, we've gotten a real glimpse of it this weekend. Haven't we? I mean, <laughs> I mean, what, how, what else can you say about that game yesterday? Whatever that, that, that circus that it was, well, you know, I mean, you, it was, you blow nine on Saturday, you blow a six run lead on Sunday. Um, you know, no and one's ever said games. And, and win, win both, games. both games. No one ever said this team was perfect, but uh, you know, I, th- I think we can all agree that when they're all playing and when it all comes together, it's a special group. But boy, um, they are they are well, absolutely. It's been a, a, a cardiac game. It's so messy, right? I mean, you know, when I was thinking about you know we were planning to come on here, I was, you know, I was thinking like this season, let's stipulate, has been preposterous. And that is that is coming from someone who literally wrote a book on this. Right. (laughs) And and, you know, has 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 examined the whole history of this and gone through the parsing of saying this disaster is good enough for a book. This one isn't quite enough. Right. So like ranking these I've already literally been through. And so for a little period of the season, I was a little snobby about it. You know what I mean? I was like, come on this season you call you call this a crazy season you know like i think maybe even you like a lot of mets fans maybe for a little while were like this is kind of par for the course this is what it's like yeah and i don't know what it was i think the hobby bias thumbs down was the moment where i finally was like yeah this is this is an all-timer this is an all-timer and i still think I want to put a conditional on that. And I wonder if you agree just because as I was saying, there is still a month left, which means whatever, (laughs) 
whatever the last chapter of this is, whatever the actual end is, we still haven't seen it yet. So, you know, is there a universe in which we fizzle out and just never quite get more than four or five games? Yeah, but you don't, that's not going to happen. You know us. We're either going <laughs> to, you know, it's all or nothing, right? So right. that's, you know, so that's what I've been sort of thinking about is when, and I want, maybe I should pose this question to you. When did it, when did you feel like, oh, wow, okay, this is an unusually crazy season? Well, all right, going from um, four up to eight back or whatever that was, it was real close to it within, I think, a month. I think it was July 28th to August 28th. They yeah. went from four up. And then, of course, being four up on July 28th was a miracle in itself. After everything <laughs> this group had been through, you know, the underperformances, the injuries, everything. You know, to get to that point and be four up, that's huge. <laughs> to lose yeah. it over the course of a month and not just lose it, lose it in spectacular fashion and be eight and a half back last Saturday, a week ago from, from this, you know, this past Saturday, they were eight and a half back. I think at that point, you, what you say, wow, uh, you know, again, with everything going on with, uh, you know, uh, especially this week, uh, in the past couple of weeks, the thumbs down, the, um, yeah. Uh, 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 oh, the DUI, the DUI, Zach Scott's name just completely slipped my, it was like right at the tip of my tongue. Um, <laughs> one of the front office guys who screwed up in spectacular fashion. You just put them all right. Together now, right. Yeah. And we have such a pool to, to pull from, but, uh, then to, to just, to kind of put it together at this point, you win eight out of nine. Wow. It's like, uh, you know, the, the fans who had given up are now pulled back in. The fans who, like myself, were saying, oh, that can't be it. That can't be the end of the story. Lo and behold, it's not. But like you said, there's still a month left. You have so much time to <laughs> make another run at it. I mean, they're going to go into Monday, I think, three and a half back. It looks like Atlanta's going to win. They were up big last last I checked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would say the um, – the big drop in the standings and then this miraculous second wind, I would say, yeah, that's the icing on the cake for. And I think that's the thing. It's right. It's the combination of the two. It's not. And that's to me is the thing that the Mets fans know. And maybe there's this sort of broader world lack of nuance about, which is it's not just the plummet off the cliff because, you know, in August, lots of teams plummet off. Like that's, that's what happens in August in yeah. baseball the good teams really separate themselves and that's the ones that are, eh, you know, kind of <laughs> fizzle. Right. And, and what happened here is with the Mets, we go through that. And then who's the wrestler? Is it the undertaker? The one who like flips up back up off. I, I might be asking. Yeah. I don't know much about wrestling. No, yeah. That's, that's, that's right kind of, in my wheelhouse. That's part, yeah. That's, that's part in my of era. Mets trick, right. Like that's, <laughs> That's the next thing is like, as soon as you're like, oh, well, you know, you start to write the obituary, then we go on the seven game winning streak, right? Yeah. That's gotta be the next turn of it. Because like, what are, what's our record now? Are we 70 and 69? Are we 71 and 69? I can't remember. 69 but, and 68, I believe. Something like, like we are the most, it is. Yeah, 69, 68. Right? It, it's, yeah, it, is as so. it is as pedestrian as it gets. And this is the classic Mets thing of arriving at the most pedestrian record imaginable and maybe even the most pedestrian place in the season, which is yeah, you're sort of in the playoff race. You're in it, yeah. but you're at the bottom of it, right? Right in the middle. <laughs> so how do we get there? 
how do it's always like we get there through this like careening around the curves and ups and downs. Oh, it's I mean, never it, been easy. Never. It's, it's been, it's been, you know, like there is a universe, there is a team, like an ordinary team would go through a stretch like this. They would lose two games then they win three, <laughs> lose one, win one, win two, lose two, you know, kind of, you know, up and dip around. Sure. No, 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 no. We're going to, we're going to go all the way down to the extreme. And come all the way back up. And then there's the fact that, like you alluded to, if you separated out all of the drama, the thumbs down, the DUIs, the I, I, so many, I've literally oh, forgotten. Just, Donnie in Stevenson. this calendar year, uh, Mickey Calloway, Jared Porter. I mean, it's just. It, it, it's ridiculous. It, it's almost impossible. Quick plug but, for the Apple. That was the name of the uh, article this week. It's almost impossible. Go on. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, you, if you strip all that out, yeah. You are left with a 69 and 68 team yeah. that is in third place in the division. And that, you know, has been basically an above average team for the whole season, except for a three and a half week West Coast trip when they lost their best pitcher and their best player. And they had to go play the two best teams in baseball. Well, they also and, hit and like the way, one one seventy seven with runners in scoring position yeah. in August. So, but, I mean, they made their that, that that's that's like all I'm saying is is that, that that's that's completely undramatic. Everything <laughs> there, even the swoon, yeah. which has been classified as a Mets collapse, yeah, could have been looked at as one billion percent predictable from. July 28th, where we're saying we're going to have to go on the West Coast without Lindor, <laughs> without DeGrom, against the best teams in baseball with this offense. I, I don't know about you, but my feeling going into August when that came was like, we just need to get to September. We just need to tread yeah. water and get through this month and still be in it. Even if we've blown our entire lead, we just need to get through this month. Well, yeah. And, and, I think, oh, and I'm sorry, we go ahead. Relaxed. And then we got poleaxed, right? <laughs> it went as messy as it could possibly go. And then we yeah. had to claw our way back off the mat. And it's, it's, I guess my big point is there's a base, there's like you could look at this in a totally normal way and see it as a totally normal season. Everything about this season that has made it unusual has been pure Mets. And that's oh, to yeah. me why it has been such a messy season. Like, yeah. Almost no matter how it ends, but God help us. <laughs> well, you know, they. I think the big goal when everything was falling apart was to get to this stretch of games when they're playing the Nationals and the Marlins yeah. for however many straight. They've done well so far in this spot, but, you know, they once they finish up against Miami on Thursday, they got the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Phillies, the Red Sox, the Brewers, and then you got seven games left between the Nationals and then three in Atlanta. And that's... um. It's going to be a gauntlet, you know. I think they 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 they're following the uh, they're following the recipe right now as far as beating up and winning a lot of games against the Nats and Marlins. But we're going to find out, uh, you know, if not by the end of that Yankee series, by the end of that Philly series, the following week, yeah, exactly where this team's at. And uh, you know, if they can find their groove with against those teams and finish, you know, keep pace, if they can come into Atlanta for the last series of the season you know, two games back, that's 
there's a lot to be said for that. Can they pull it off? Maybe. But yeah. just getting there and being after everything, that would be a darn impressive. I mean, what it's a cliche, right? Where people are like the playoffs start now, right? They're like, oh, you know, yeah. now they've got to treat it like the playoffs. That's a cliche. But at the same time, in this particular case for the Mets, I do think it's kind of true. Like the Mets need to be approaching the rest of this season. Like every series is a playoff series and they got to win two out of three. Yeah. They got to win two out of three in every series. They got to win two out of three against the Yankees. They got to win two out of three against the Phillies. They got to win two out of three. Like, and treat it that way because that's what it's going to take to get into the playoffs from here. And, you know, and it's obviously not so precise that, you know, if you drop two out of three to someone, you're going to have to make it up somewhere. And, yeah. and that really is what it's going to take. You are, in order to get into the playoffs against the playoff teams, you're going to have to just play a stretch of playoff teams. And so to me, there's a certain purity about this run that they've got coming up, right? Because these are not juggernauts, yeah. right? There are no juggernauts in front of them. These are just good playoff teams, potentially, that, that, sh- that are either better than them or not better than them. And we're about to find out, you know, like, sure. I feel like I, I, I'm so stupidly optimistic about this team. I don't know about <laughs> you, but like, I'm so stupid. Like this last week has been so unhelpful. This last game, like that last inning was unhelpful, you know, like just yeah. watching them pour on runs like good teams do. Well, they've been know. on a they've been on a little on a little stretch as of late. I mean, they started off the the run against uh, the Nationals kind of slow, and they've picked up considerably since. Going to take a real quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors and kind of talk about who's been hot, who's not been, and kind of what they have to do. But hang tight, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back. Again, we are here with Devin Gordon, author of So Many Ways to Lose. It's out on HarperCollins. You can get it anywhere you, you get books. Uh, Amazon was a quick, easy find and buy for me. But uh, Devin, we were just talking briefly about what the Mets have done, what's ahead of them. You were talking about the ninth inning on Sunday where the Mets kind of exploded and, you know, they mm-hmm. needed insurance runs. And oh, I'm sorry, the eighth. And, uh, and really just kind of stepped up to the plate and did it, punt aside. And we saw Kevin Pillar, who, you know, if you go back to August 28th, which is kind of when they started this stretch, he's hitting 450, he's nine for 20, four homers, two yeah. doubles, 10 RBIs. I mean, you can go right down the list, um, which I have a, a small list here and we will, but, uh, you know, can it, do you think it's realistic to expect this whole team coming together and, and firing on all pistons again? 
it's the weirdest thing, right? Like <laughs> the like, strangest season in recent memory. Well, I mean, and just when you consider that, like, look, we're Mets fans. If you had told me that the season went off the rails at the, you know, you know, April, me being optimistic. And you told me we've been sitting in September and they, you know, not off the rails, but middling and struggling. It wouldn't shock me. I'm a Mets fan, you know, and it, yeah. but if you told me it was because the Mets had the 29th best offense in baseball, it, that it would have almost been so gutting because it would prove to me the, the divine folly of trying to guess what's going to happen in the world. Right. Yeah. Cause you could have given me a thousand scenarios for how a Mets season would go badly. And the offense being 29th in baseball is the last one I would have guessed. So yes. to, to that point, now they're hitting. So we're faced with this conundrum, which extreme do we believe in? Right. Do we believe that these guys really are the bats that we saw in 2019 and sort of in 2020, except for runners in scoring position where they were just knocking the ball all over the place and we <laughs> went into this season thinking we might have the best lineup in Mets history? Or are they still the guys we've seen all season? I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, because I'm an optimist and because I sort of do have some faith in the sort of analytics of this, I, I've always believed that these guys just didn't all forget how to hit. It just doesn't seem plausible. And so that suggests to me that the fact that they're hitting now suggests that, yeah, maybe they're finally coming around and they're just all coming around at once. Uh, maybe. It kind of feels like it. I mean, I'm just looking here because I think Michael Conforto kind of falls into the middle of this whole mix. Um, you know, he struggled. All year. And I'm looking yeah. at his numbers now, and this is not including uh, Sunday's game, but um, from August 1st through Saturday, he's hitting 271, 386, 490. That's Michael Conforto yep. again. And even going back to August 28th, again, they started this hot stretch, eight for 26, three homers, 11 runs driven in. He's hitting 308 over that span. I mean, you know, this is Michael Conforto. He's hitting the ball again, and it's we've heard Louis Rojas talk about it all year, just kind of connecting at bats. If he's there and if he's him and if he's in, is splitting up lefties or whatever he's doing, the, the odds of them connecting at bats are so much better. And I think you've kind of seen it as he's yep. found his rhythm. I mean, it's he has had a pattern, right, through his, through his career of having these really long swoons yeah, and then having these like crazy hitting stretches. So seeing as how we've had that pattern before and how major league hitters just have a way of returning to their means eventually, it doesn't seem, the only thing that seems weird is that they were all regressing and now they all at once, which is just weird. And now so many of them seem to be coming back at once, which seems equally weird, even though they're all ending up in the medium that they're supposed to end up in. And I think you really hit on something, which is the connectivity there that maybe feeds on it, right? It's that unmeasurable, doesn't even exist sort of kinetic energy that when you string at bats together and guys are getting confident and they see better pitches and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, obviously VR moving to lead off has worked. I mean, I don't know if it's because VR has gotten really hot coincidentally, or if the theory of speed and danger at the top of the order leads to less breaking balls. I tend to think that's less of it. I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like they're all hitting like we thought they were supposed to finally. 
and maybe it's just not much more rockets like in the same way that the, it wasn't actually rocket science that the Mets season collapsed in August. It actually wasn't Mets voodoo. It wasn't any of that silliness. It was just, <laughs> we lost, we just, we just, we lost our two best players and we had to go on a West coast trip against the two best teams in baseball. It wasn't rocket science. And I think in the same way, there's a simple rocket science. There's a simplicity that gets overshadowed by the Metsiness here, right? <laughs> Which is the Metsiness. We don't even have to describe Metsiness. We, we can have all to just describe feel what it. that is. We all know what it is, right? <laughs> just feel it's, it. <laughs> it was. They were all having this weirdly bizarre bad season that we could attribute to preparation, you know, conditioning, Luis Rojas, whatever you want. Maybe it was none of that. Maybe it was just the numbers, yeah. right? And now, and now we really need them to scream back in time. And I still feel like they have a shot, but if they come up short, it's because the one thing we're not going to be able to overcome is losing the best pitcher on earth, right? That I don't know if we're going to be able to overcome. And I, I hope that if we do fall short, that people will not in assessing this season, overlook the difference between a team that has the best pitcher on earth for the first half and a team that doesn't have the best pitcher on earth yeah. for the second half. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, I think, but I think they're only slightly correlated. I mean, don't get me wrong. A, a, an extra win every five days would put this team in a completely different position than they're in. Um, they, you know, it doesn't all land on DeGrom not being there. You know, you've seen Marcus Stroman put together a really, really consistent season. Uh, Taiwan Walker's had a really tough second half. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There, there's a lot that kind of plays into that. And and I, I agree, losing DeGrom was was huge. And getting him back, if, if you know, if he can make it back like, and you're look, not putting... What if those not, three games are everything, yeah. right? What if those three games, you know, what if we end up out of the playoffs by two? Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like, if we uh, end up missing by two games, right? Yeah, I just risk how the reward. We, how, uh, yeah, I would I, hate you know, for, like, that's what I'm... I, I, what I'm saying, I guess, is if we if we end up missing the playoffs by two games, obviously there would be hypothetically, obviously you could point to a lot of things that the Mets could have done yeah. here and there, whatever, oh, a sure. lot of moments. Fundamentally, though, the simplest thing to do is look at it and say, well, they probably lost five Jacob the ground wins in the second half. If they had those wins, they would have been in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I have a feeling just given that I think the Braves are good and where we are. And the schedule we have, I just feel like we're going to come up a messy length short. But, and that is really going to hurt my, that's really going to bum me out about DeGrom. And I hope it doesn't cast too much of a pall over the way they go into this offseason. Like, well, what's happening? You know, like, I don't want to forsake that, but the, there's so much on at stake over this month because it's not just this season. It's the difference between coming up two games short of making the playoffs and, sneaking into the wild card by a game or two it's holy cow what a difference that's going to be see I, i'm i'm worried that it doesn't matter the mets can make the play they could they could even slide into that wild card game they could even win it i still fear that this season is going to be overshadowed by what happened during the year and, and yeah. you, you know how that story can go yeah you know yeah. all the all the problems will just kind of carry over and you know unless they win a world series, it's just, it's, it's going to find its way back to the front of the story. And that's, you know, I think that's going to be the toughest part to swallow. And I'm with you a hundred percent over the last month of the season is going to be a lot of just 
seeing if this core is actually feasible. Yeah. And you have a lot of decisions there. I mean, we yes. talked about conform. Yes. Javi Baez in September is hitting close to 400. I mean, you, so we've seen the difference maker he can be over the last few games. Um, Jonathan VR, you just talked about him, and I pulled up his numbers while you were. So from August 5th through Saturday's game, I don't have Sunday's updated stats yet, but from August 5th through September 4th, hitting 357, 411, 592. Like, if they can get to the point where they said, wow, like, if they're in the postseason – they have to look back and say Jonathan VR is an integral piece to that yeah. happening. Yeah. And now Brandon yeah. Nimmo going down. And I think you made a great point about him in the leadoff spot. And we think we talked about it a little bit in the last show, what his numbers have been like, but um, with Brandon Nimmo out for, you know, an indefinite amount of time, if Jonathan VR can really assume that role and not miss yeah. a beat, Oh, that says so it's much huge. about where this group is. It, it yeah. kind of it's, it's a cap tip to the depth that they put together in the offseason, and they've needed every single bit of it. I mean, this is one of those lineups, and yes, there's so many decisions. It feels like if you take out Alonzo, and obviously the door because he's not going anywhere. Um, and I, by the way, I, I, I love Francisco Lindor. <laughs> I adore him completely. So um, he and Alonzo obviously are are the cornerstones and that's great because I think they're pretty good cornerstones. Almost everyone else we're really up in the air about. And to me, I'm I'm, one of the things I'm going to be interested in is what is the criteria Mets fans, the front office baseball uses to evaluate these players, right? Because to me, Javi Baez has already proven that he is invaluable. Full stop. Like, like if you forget about the stupid thumbs down thing, in other words, if you forget about the, the two sentences, a non-professional speaker, you know, who does not get paid to talk to the press said, all we would be talking about is how electrifying this guy is. Absolutely. Loving the ball all over the place, taking extra bases, thrilling us, energized. I mean, I love him. I, he was the guy I wanted at the deadline. And I'm so he has been everything good and bad that I thought he would be. And to me, it's not just the baseball. It's just the guy's a star. Like he's just exciting. Let's I want to watch this guy. Can I please have him on my team? I like having him on my team and I want to see, you know, and I, I, I say in, in a, in a similar smaller way, I feel the same way about VR. That guy's just a great baseball player. He just yeah. like plays his ass off. He can, he's playing nine different positions. He clubs the ball over the fence. He steals. He's always taking the kind of risks and forcing the defense to make plays in the way that I wished this team would do all season mm-hmm. and are finally starting to do. But then, and then you, and, and then it's, but then it, 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 you look at guys like, I guess, McNeil, Dom Smith, Conforto. J.D. Davis, you have to J.D. That. Davis. And it's almost like, you know, the homegrown guys, though, in particular, yeah. sometimes I'm like, did Javi, bringing in Javi Baez give us a little truth serum about our homegrown guys? Like, is there that's a, a good, little that's bit? A, that's a you know, like, point. Like, you know, when you get Javi Baez coming around, does it make you look at Dom Smith and be like, oh, that's, yeah, Dom Smith is what a fourth outfielder looks like. Sorry, well, Dom. Dom Smith, I you know, he's he's absolutely thrived in that bench role in the past. And 
you know, he serves a purpose as a, yes. a fourth outfielder, as a backup yes. first baseman. And once that DH yes. comes in, he's going to be a, yes. a, a just, but oh man, yes. um, I have faith in this core. I just think that some of these guys are being misused at the, at the moment. I think JD Davis might be more valuable as a bench piece on a championship yes. ball club than a yes. starter every day. I think his, yes. his, you know, you got to play these guys to their strengths. And that's not saying that JD Davis can't become a first class third baseman. I think that's still <laughs> somewhat within the realm of possibility, <laughs> a serviceable, a serviceable, third serviceable. But, but here's the thing. It's like what you're pointing out is, yeah, that's exactly what I mean is, are we getting religion on guys like Dom Smith, JD Davis, maybe even Jeff McNeil, probably Jeff McNeil. In fact, oh, Jeff McNeil's a super is, utility guy is Jeff McNeil. Like, that's in my mind. Guys, is perfect. These three guys are people that I think Mets fans decided were budding stars and they were going to take another leap this year. And what we found Mc, out I, is... I, I, I don't want to cut you. I think Jeff McNeil is a budding star to a certain extent. He's a one of the best contact hitters in baseball, and I do think he has to play every day. But his versatility, theoretically, should allow him to to move around. Yes. And get but please, I want you to continue. I didn't mean to get but you like, off base there. No, I know what you mean, because I think I think he he has the capability of batting 300, 310 as an everyday player. Definitely. Right. And if he remembers that that's who he is and doesn't, you know, try to hit home runs all the time. Um, but I'm worried that Mets fans went in thinking these guys are the new homegrown stars who are going to bud and become bigger and bigger. And I think what the arrival of guys like Baez and Lindor are maybe pointing out, and even Alonzo becoming the real deal anchor that he has just become. It's like, yeah. this is Pete Alonzo, and he's going to be like this for the next decade. It's starting to say, oh, those three guys, those three guys are bench hitters on really good teams. Those guys are Role on players. the bench on really Role good players. teams. I, Dom I, I, Smith I have... is, and they're good. They're really yeah. good bench players. Oh, yeah. That's the point. It's like, if Dom Smith is your fourth outfielder, you got a nice team. Yeah. But if Dom Smith is your starting left field, like Dom Smith, if you look at the numbers for a left fielder, now is where you get into the analytics a little bit, right? <laughs> I wonder for Dom Smith, who's a, maybe an average to above average defensive left fielder, to be worth it, to be a productive major league left fielder. He needs to hit at least 25 home runs, probably closer to 30, in order to be an above average major league left fielder because left fielders, all they do is club home runs. That's what their job is. If you're in left field. Right. And he's not anywhere close to that. So if he's your starting left fielder, that's a real problem because it means you're not getting huge power numbers out of a position that you got. You have to get huge power numbers out of if you're a good team. And it's, you see what happens when you take Jeff McNeil, who's, obviously having a terrible year and replace his bat sort of, I mean, I realize he's moving, but like you take Jeff McNeil as a second base hitter and replace him with, I mean, I think Javi's now in the top 10, right? In home runs and a better defensive player. I think he just cracked into the top 10 in home runs today. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, right. Bias. Bias. Sorry. Yes. Yes, Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, the difference between Jeff McNeil being your starting second baseman as a hitter and Javi Baez being your starting second baseman, I just think we're starting to realize what those gaps really are. And we're getting religion about what it's really reasonable to expect from these guys. And that I think our expectations were just a little too high. 
The open question, and I feel like we spent a long time on this the last no, time. No, it's fine. Michael, no, it's good. It's Michael Conforto, right? Yeah. Michael Conforto is – we knew he was going to be the hardest decision coming into the season, and he's going to be the hardest decision – well, maybe Baez. Maybe Baez. I, I don't think Baez is a hard decision, personally. I think pay to the guy. Pay him. Yeah. But I think well, they're going to treat it I, like a I think you have to draw a line as far as length on a contract. I brought this up on Twitter today uh, as far as Baez. You know, I think he's going to be that $25 million per year guy. I, I You know, if it was my money, I'd be a little hesitant going to the six, eight-year deal just could because of his inconsistency. I mean, we've seen his electricity as a player and what yeah. he brings to a team. Um, just track record wise. I know you don't pay for prior production. You pay for future, but you know, you've seen his, his peaks and valleys and, and they've been pronounced at times, even and in some cases season long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be much more comfortable with a four, five year deal for Baez. If he is great. Um, I, I'd like to think that the Mets might have an inside track just because he wanted to come here. He's here with Lindor, who's going nowhere. Um, you know, and I do think Conforto gets the qualifying offer and does stick around, kind of bet on himself and and take it from there. But, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see which direction the Mets go now that they are Steve Cohen's Mets and they can actually make a dent. I, mean, I think everyone was expecting – immediate results. And I think we saw some to an extent, and we also saw some worst case scenarios, but I think this off season is going to say a lot about what direction he wants to take this organization. in. Yeah. It seems like for him, he's really on the hot seat. If we're going to be honest, right. It's I think Steve he's Co- invited it. I think he's invited. The yeah. Hot seat. I mean, it's like, you know, it, are you going to pay for hobby or not? Because we know you have the money. Are you going to pay for Marcus Stroman or not? Because we know you have the money. You have and, to. Oh, you have and, to. My God, you have to. And Stroman, VR, Baez, Lindor, these guys fit a certain kind of personality type that I really, really, really want to see the Mets prioritize in the offseason, right? They're just good baseball players, right? I mean, they're just good athletes, good baseball players, they they steal plays and steal outs and steal wins, just like Stroman did yesterday with that incredible play that that Baez. You know, the two of them awesome. together making that play was awesome, and that is what I want the Mets to spend through the nose for because that is rare, and that is how you win World Series is making plays like that. The other teams don't make plays like that. You make plays like that, you win the game. And yeah. when you're betting on the God, I feel bad saying this about Dom Smith, but because I love Dom, but Dom is not that guy. And well, I think when Dom's on, he he is. But you know, I think he's not making. He's not making those plays. You know, not right now. Not right now. He's he's just. He's just that. Those are special plays. And when you're trying to win a World Series, there are difference between very good players, yeah, and special and a, a baseball level of special and Stroman is special. I think he's not, you know, he's not Max Scherzer. I don't think he is. He's never going to want to sign on the ward because he doesn't strike out enough people. And that's a shame. He, he, he has to be getting votes. He has to be getting votes this year. He has to be. He's just been so consistent. Spirit is so great. I love watching him play. I think he's actually been the MVP of the team this year. I mean, when you like, you know, that's that's not maybe Alonzo, but, but I think, you know, I think when you look at the team wire to wire, 
it's been him. I mean, he's been the steady guy all yeah. year. And, um, and the other person I would say, <laughs> and you're probably people, the, the, uh, maybe that's okay. Pete Alonzo is obviously number two. Sure. My, my also getting votes for Mets MVP so far this year. I think I'm going to bring your podcast fans to a screeching halt is Edwin Diaz. I, I think I, Edwin Diaz has been awesome and we need to shut up about Edwin Diaz. <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you. He's been outstanding. He's had his ups and downs, as everybody has, but that talent's he's just a closer. Un- the talent's undeniable. Oh my goodness, he's just he's so much filthy. fun to watch. He's filthy. No, he's Miguel really Castro fun to watch. Miguel Castro has really opened my eyes this year. When he's on, he's, he's terrific. So, like when you go into the off season, you, Stroman has got to be someone that I hope is someone that you look at and you think, well, he wants to be here. Right. Yeah. So getting him is just a question of being willing to pay the sticker price. Right. Is being willing to bid one more dollar than whomever it is. So we better be able to keep Stroman. That's how I feel like it. Like I don't quite understand the Conforto thing. And maybe you can maybe you can explain how the qualifying offer stuff works, because this is the business aspect of it. I don't quite understand how much he would be betting on himself if he just took that offer. All right. So the qualifying offer, um, when you hit free agency, as long as you've never been offered or as long as you've never received a qualifying offer in the past, you can receive a qualifying offer and accept it. So you would be I believe last year's was 18.9 million. That's what Stroman accepted. Uh, I, I assume they would probably increase somewhere in the 19, maybe to 20 million dollars this year. Yeah. So Conforto would accept and that's, that. Sorry, that's set by the that's set by Major League Baseball is what you're correct. saying. That's not a Mets yeah. thing. Okay. It's yeah, like a mid level exception in basketball. Right. In Almost like a franchise okay. tie, a franchise oh, tag, tag in okay, the NFL. Right, so, uh, right. Something akin to it. But um right. in, in okay. the NFL, you could be franchised many times. You can only get one qualifying offer in Major League Baseball. So in that case, Conforto, let's round it off to twenty million. Let's say he makes twenty million next season. After 2022, he would automatically become a free agent, no strings attached, just hitting the open market. And also, okay. if the Mets offer him a qualifying offer this season and he signs somewhere else, um, he uh, the Mets get a, comp- a compensation pick in between the first and second round, I believe, of right. the draft. So there's benefits I mean, to it. But I, I think after the season he's had, I think it's almost a – a shoe in that he, I think, of course, the Mets are going to hit the the qualifying offer or at least extend it to him. But I think he accepts it. I think he, he takes it and tries to parlay that into a, into a nice multi-year deal, just like Marcus Stroman did this year. Yeah, that seems to make sense. I mean, I hope he does that. It would be the best situation. I mean, that would be the easiest thing all around. Um, You know, I I think that there's a risk that's, there's a risk that he just goes so bananas, right, in the next month and a half, that month, um, and maybe into the playoffs, God knows, that the first four months of the season get erased. And he's going he's to have to. Hit that would like be a good four. problem. That, but you know what I mean? Like, but, you know, like, it, look, if he, if he just scorches the rest of the season, just, you know, knowing how recency bias works, that will be more than enough to tempt some teams to throw a nice contract at him, right? Yeah. But not not the, is, not, the, not the deal he would have got before heading into this certainly season. Not. That was on Definitely the table. not. Yeah. But maybe enough to tempt him to go into free agency. Yeah. I guess I would have to describe that as a high-class problem, right? Because that means he went bananas <laughs> the rest of the year. He hit yeah. us into the playoffs, and things went so well 
that he was back to considering whether he might want to hit free agency again. That would be a win-win too. So I guess the universe we're in is he had such a bad year that he's probably stuck with us for another year, right? (laughs) Which is fine because I don't want him to leave. Even after all this, this is kind of like, this would be like breaking up with your girlfriend after one really big fight, even though you know you're sort of, you're supposed to be together or something like that. Or even if you think that you're, you know what I mean? Like, like it can't end like this. And I feel, by the way, I really feel that way about Noah Syndergaard, but I assume he feels the same way. (laughs) He has, he's actually come out and said that he, he, he doesn't foresee himself leaving New York. And I think that bodes well. And I don't think he has much um, leverage. Sorry, is he, is he a qualifying offer situation as well? Yes. Yeah. He's entering free agency and, and I, at least to me, seems like a shoe in from the Mets standpoint and uh, from his as well, because he hasn't pitched a whole bunch. And, you know, if he can come back and pitch this year, it certainly helps his case. But uh, yeah, if the Mets are going to extend it, if I'm the Mets, I try getting, you know, these are just roundabout numbers. I throw like a a three year, you know, 50, 60 million dollar offer at both of them and see if they could just push all this free agency stuff off a few years, come in in a real nice team friendly deal. Everybody's happy, leave a little room for them to spend elsewhere. And and you you have two of your, you know, previously foundational pieces who can still kind of fill that role moving forward. Yeah. I'm buying on both of those guys. You know what I mean? Is, is, you know, my, my worry was always that Conforto was going to have another Conforto year and the market was going to overpay for that by a lot, which it would have. We know oh, it would have. Without the market a doubt. definitely yeah. would have overpaid for that. And then we would have had to overpay at a position I just don't want to overpay on. Like, it's just overpaying for, like, you know, I don't care how good a year Bryce Harper is having in Philadelphia. That team still stinks. They're not <laughs> a good team. They, they're doing better um, than Mets right now. Yeah, but we're not that good either. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I that's mean. It's like, that's they're fair. a mediocre, the, the, the Phillies are not a good team. Like, the Braves, I think, are a good team. The Phillies are a mediocre team that sunk their franchise into a right fielder. And I just don't want to be that, and not that we would have paid him for Bryce Harper money, but I just, that kind of franchise building is not a good idea, right? If you're telling me we can, we're going to overpay for someone big time this offseason, it better be Javi Baez. <laughs> like so, to so, me, so you're saying you don't want to trade for Mike Trout? <laughs> is okay. All right. Is this, this is not, this is not happening, right? Like, the no, 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 no. This trap. is to- totally hypothetical. But um, if he were to hit the market with, for that type of player and that type of contract, is that the level of, yep, this is the guy we want money or that you're willing to spend? And, and keep in mind, of course, you know, he's coming off some injury issues, but he's still that guy without a question. I would pay anything for him. <laughs> anything. <laughs> Give him everybody. <laughs> hey, you have to imagine, though, at some point, if the Angels continue not producing winning seasons, that they're going to cross that bridge. You have to imagine they're, they're going to. I mean, Otani think- is their next star. And if they're not going to plan on winning and contending every year, um, they have their star. I wouldn't I would not be shocked if they one day reasonably soon thought about trading Mike Trout. I think they've got to, you know, next year they've got to go into the season being like, 
Well, let's see what happens one season with both of these guys on our roster. And Rendon. And they still have Rendon. And, and Rendon. Like, those three, oh, my God. I mean, you know, they were a, you know, slightly outside of the playoff race with just Trout. They have been a slightly outside of the playoff race with just Otani. With the two of them together in the lineup, yeah. they are so good that I don't – and let's, like if you had those two healthy for the whole season, I, I don't know if you could miss the playoffs. They're that good. It, All right, it, so, I just don't know if you could. So what, what Trout's 30 right now. So let's take it through 2024, and the Angels still haven't won anything. Uh-huh. Okay, what's, that's three seasons. That's the, yeah, that's three seasons. It would be, he'd be entering his 33-year-old season. And you had that yeah. opportunity. I know we, we've gone so off track on this episode, but I don't care. It's my show and we could do what we want. <laughs> um, we do. And, and we do need a center fielder with respect to Brandon Nemo, who I love, but I would love for him to be in right field or in left field. <laughs> dude, if they went out and got, let's say they went out and got George Springer this, this past off season, uh, you, had a, you had a current outfield of Springer and center who's been hurt a bunch, but he, when he's played, he's been terrific. Scooter, Springer and center, Nemo and left, Conforto and right. You know, that, that gives this season a, a, a whole new paint job, hypothetically. Um, they, they, you know, I think, I don't know if the outfield market is that deep going into this offseason. It doesn't seem like it, yeah. But, you know, and, and of course, Mike Trout's not a realistic, realistic target, but I think they do have the ability to kind of mix and match pieces or go out and make a trade for a, a, a front-class center fielder who I, I couldn't even imagine who they would at this point. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways they can go with this team well i think you know i think each of the individual moves where you have pluses and minuses on a baseball in a baseball sense mm-hmm. the the underpinning philosophy is what's going to guide all this right fundamentally and that to me is more what i'm more curious about than maybe any of the individual decisions that they make that's why i keep sort of thinking of what are the kinds of players that they are going to focus on and that's why I feel like Steve Cohen, who I think is, you know, probably going to have a new front office, is really going to show us sort of who he is and what he's all about with these decisions that he makes. Because, it, you know, I want guys like Baez. I want guys like Lindor. And I think, you, you know, you sort of alluded to this. No matter how the season ends, unless it ends in a World Series, the reckoning with Sandy Alderson and Zach Scott. And I think the Trevor Bauer thing, I think the Trevor Bauer thing is going to come back this off season because we're going to have a conversation about Alderson. That's going to be a thing. We're going to have a conversation about Zach Scott. That's going to be a thing, which is all going to be a conversation about Cohen. And because that subject is going to get come, going to come back and get picked over and be so intense, it's going to lead to a revisitation what happened with Trevor Bauer. And to me, Trevor Bauer is like the nuclear device that could have detonated Steve Cohen's ownership before it began. And only by the dint of good luck did it not, right? Like, they wanted him. They wanted him. They thought they had him. And could you imagine this season? You know, the Dodgers are so deep and so good that they can withstand what's happening with him. You also kind of get the sense that they're happy he's not around. Oh, but very like, much so. You have to be at this point. 
this would have wrecked this team because this team is almost was almost wrecked with nothing close to that. Yeah. And it would have defined Steve Cohen's ownership for well, he's, years. He's got a chance to, you know, define so his got, ownership. Yeah. So right <laughs> now, that's why it's so interesting to me is this almost went way off the rails before it ever started. Yeah. And so this season, this off season, how he approaches making decisions, what kind of players he looks for, the GM that he brings in, I think is going to tell us a lot about who he goes after, who the Mets go after, right? And how they build the team from here. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't think they like Jeff McNeil. I don't think no. they like Jeff McNeil. I, you know, that's speculation on my part. No, of course. I think they're, I think they're kind of like, you know what? We'll put up with your shit if you're batting 310. But if you're batting 360, stop throwing your helmet. <laughs> you, you know, know? He, you can, he's always been, a, um, uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think that was part of his charm. And of course, if things aren't going right, that's going to be the first thing to point out. We've seen it with other players. Um, again, production solves everything. And if Jeff McNeil finishes out the season hitting like Jeff McNeil, and even during that stretch that he was right after he came back, he really found it for a little bit and then just lost it completely. If he can bring that back and that coincides with a hot stretch, again, I think it changes the narrative on his whole season. Um, Just because the, the, the equity he's built up with his performance since he came up, uh, you know, same thing with Conforto. And Conforto has been a, a bit more streaky, but he, he did have a very, very prolonged peak. And, um, you know, you could kind of say the same thing about Dom, but, um, you know, it, the power has just, you know, dropped off a cliff this year. Um, he, he's visibly struggling at times. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's going to be he a project for the offseason. It's going to be a project. And that kind of ties up kind of everything. They're going to have to make a lot of decisions with regards to a lot of different facets of this roster. And you just got to hope that, you know, Cohen and the new decision makers are all um, on the same page and not worried about other stuff. Yeah. I'm optimistic about the next month just because I do feel like there is a return to the mean with so many of these guys that points Mm -hmm. to um, this being you know, even in the pitching staff, even without DeGrom, I like a lot of these pitchers, you know? I mean, if Carrasco yeah. can stop getting bombed in the first inning. I, you know, Carrasco. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I like these pitchers. I like, you know, Taiwan Walker had a fresh. I mean, that was, that was, look, the Mets won, so it's fine. But like, um, that was probably Taiwan's worst start this season because yeah. I think he's pitched worse but we haven't needed it more than today. Like yeah. today we really needed him and he was almost there. He was on the brink of pitching deep. And I really was hoping he could get into the seventh inning. So he wouldn't need all those guys again. And he just, yeah, yeah ran know, out of gas, but that's going to happen. He hasn't gas. pitched. Yeah. He hasn't pitched a lot in recent yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and I hate putting that. I hate using that as an excuse because he's had some really nice outings since well, since he's, yeah, yeah, that threshold. Good yeah. And and in the same respect, Carrasco, you know, in a he ramped up really fast after missing yep. a lot of time. Yep. 
He's still finding his way. We've seen flashes of it. He's yep. had a couple of really nice outings. Yeah, I'm. Um, I, I'm. They're both in, in the mix for next year. I'm. I'm certainly uh, optimistic about about the staff and the direction they're going. But you know, we've talked about it already. Strowman is a big piece of that, and they. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's you know that's we keep coming back to the philosophy, and I think Strowman is an interesting case because he does seem to be polarizing. I guess, I guess there's a contingent of Mets fans who find him to, um, I don't know, um, outspoken, passionate to, to, yeah, there's underlying, I don't know. there's underlying, but, you know, stuff we know there, all the underlying stuff, but, but, you know, there are, there are people who don't like that kind of approach to that game. Yeah. And and then there are also people, you know, who also might just look from an analytic perspective and be like, look, he doesn't blow hitters away. He doesn't strike out enough people. I like, that. you know, See, I, I like and that. I don't like that. I don't I think that's nonsense. But like, you know, you're going to have these sort of analytic types who are going to say for the money that he is going to want to get, he needs to be more dominant or whatever. And I would like the Mets to look at who Strowman is, his personality, his athleticism, his defense, his approach to the game, and see that for the value added on a winning baseball team that it is, right? Yeah. That's, that's what I want to see because I worry that otherwise we're going to end up with what we had this year and maybe last year and maybe the last couple of years, which is Bs and B pluses that we were talking ourselves into being A minuses. And they're yeah. not, or A's or A minuses, and they're well, not. It doesn't, you know, like it doesn't mean they're not good ball players. It just means they're B's. They're not A's. Yeah, I think for the longest time, at least under the, the previous ownership group, um, that was the plan. I mean, that was all by by design was to dag to finish just close enough to justify what yeah. we did. And but uh, no, yeah, I think this this current organization has a different plans in mind and we shall see but on that note Devin we have uh just about run out of time man I have to thank you so much for for spending your Sunday afternoon with us this is great I was already spending it with the Mets so why not cap it off with the Mets and we won (laughs) right so we got to have you know optimistic good vibes going into our Labor Day it's all about good vibes and I hope you have a uh, very nice holiday Devin where can everybody find you on social media um, most, I guess, your preferred destination to purchase the book, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Devin Gordon X, um, yeah. and get the book wherever is most convenient. I love it if you've got a local independent bookstore that you like. Um, ask for it; they'll order it for you. That's the best way. But Amazon, I'll get it to you by tomorrow, so I understand. Oh, yeah, we're now we're all about the um, keeping it local. We like that. Yes, that was please. a yes, a plus plus answer. Thank you. All right, guys, you guys know where to find us. We are going to be back on Friday uh, previewing the Mets-Yankees series. Our friends over at the Breaking Balls pod, Emily Nyman and John Snyder, are going to join us. We're going to talk uh, some Mets, some Yanks, some Subway series. Some... It's, it's going to be a, an emotional weekend for many reasons. But, Devin, again, thank you so much for joining I'll us. I'll be at the park. I'll be at the park for a couple of those Yankee games this season. Oh, this, excellent. This so maybe I'll see somebody there. Oh, I might see some of you there. Might I? You know, I swore off going to Mets Yankees games a long time ago, but this is a um, this is a big one. So maybe maybe you'll see me there Friday night. All right, all right, Devin. Thanks thanks again, everybody. You know how we sign off. Let's fucking go, Mets. We'll see you next time. Peace.